0: Welcome Comfort at Home listeners. This is the Barking Truth presented to you by Comfort at Home Pet Services. This podcast will reveal the Barking Truth about what is actually happening in the pet industry so that you can gain knowledge and education to keep our pets safe, healthy and well. I will be your host, Jennifer Seibel, Certified Professional Pet Sitter. Dog Bite Prevention Educator, Fear Free Certified, Pet First Aid and CPR Trained, and Owner of Comfort at Home Pet Services. I hope you enjoy. Thanks for joining me. This episode we're going to talk about over-vaccinations. So what is over-vaccinations? If we want to think about it in the human stance, When's the last time any of us as humans have gotten a vaccination? I know right now we're dealing with the COVID world. We have a new vaccination coming out. We have the flu vaccination. But when's the last time we've really gotten a vaccination for, let's say, chicken pox? Let's say the mumps. Let's say anything. It hasn't happened since we were smaller or kids or whatnot. But with vaccinations with our animals, we're getting them every one to three years. So I want to talk about over-vaccination with our pets and where the hysteria is coming from and what is actually happening in the world with, when it comes to vaccinations. So dogs, let's start with dogs. And there's only three core vaccinations. That's rabies, distemper, and parvo. Rabies is required by law. If you go and look up the Rabies Challenge Fund, they are actually working to change the requirements for the rabies vaccination because it is required by law. It is required by law that every one to three years we have a rabies vaccination for our dogs and most times for our cats as well. But is that really scientifically proved? Many studies that have gone through the Rabies Challenge Fund prove and show that the rabies vaccination lasts in our pets 7 to 10 years. 7 to 10 years. So why are we getting it every 1 to 3 years for our dogs and cats? But the core vaccinations that you need to be getting for your pets is rabies, distemper, and parvo. But when you go to the vet's office, I have a new one-year-old puppy myself. They want to push every vaccination on you possible. There's other vaccinations such as the lepto, the limes, Bordetella, and the influenza. They want to tell you, oh, your pet needs to have the lepto vaccination if they're going to be out in the woods drinking water. Okay, my dog goes for a hike with me. She's not sitting there drinking all this stale water. Maybe it rained today. Maybe she takes a little lick out of a puddle. That does not mean it's complete stale water that has the lepto in it. They want to talk about limes. When we talk about limes, limes is transmitted through ticks. Ticks, I have deer. I just saw on my security cameras last night that deer have been, I've noticed deer have been in my front yard, but I just saw them literally laying on my front porch through my cameras (laughs) yesterday. I have deer in my front yard. They're pooping. They're peeing in my front yard. I'm having to clean up not only dog poop, but I'm having to clean up deer poop. So, limes can be transmitted through that as well as it can be transmitted through a tick. I try to keep my dogs on a protocol so that they don't get ticks, but every once in a while, because the deer are in my yard, I now have ticks in my yard, which means my dogs could be prone to having Lyme's disease. But you have to think about when you're getting that vaccine, is your dog still going to show positive anytime you get a Lyme's test done on them? Plus, with the Lyme's vaccine, you're entering that into your pet system. That means they can deal with the effects of what Lyme's would normally cause because that is a live vaccine. Let's talk about Bordetella. A lot of kennels, a lot of our groomers in this area require you to have a Bordetella. Bordetella is to combat against the doggy cold. Okay, well, there's many different strains of the cold. So I'm giving my dog the cold and giving a vaccine, but there's so many different strains. My dog can still end up getting the common kennel cough and the kennel cold even though they've been vaccinated against it. And a lot of kennels now are also pushing the influenza, which is the flu. As people, we can get the flu vaccination, but we can still get the flu because there's so many different strains of it. So a question I'm going to pose to everybody right now, why are we getting Bordetella and flu for our dogs or for our cats when they can still actually get it? Is it really worth it, and why is it that groomers and kennels are promoting this and telling us this is something we have to do? They're not a vet. They're not a doctor. They don't know the studies on it. So why are you forcing me to get this extra vaccination on my pet when I personally might not need it and my pet can still get sick from a different strain of this type of disease? But that's what we need to kind of think about and we kind of need to see is what is best for our pets. When it comes to vaccinations and over vaccinations, this is a very hard subject for me to even speak about. Because unfortunately, those who know me know that I had a pet who ended up suffering from an immune mediated disease due to over vaccination. I ended up losing her. She was the love of my life. She was the best dog ever. I lost her due to over-vaccinating because I was ignorant and listened to what people were telling me, what the vets were telling me, what everybody's saying. And it ended up ultimately causing my dog its life. So, core vaccinations is literally just rabies, distemper, and parvo. The lepto, the limes, the Bordetella, the influenza, those are all optional. Those are not needed to keep your pet safe. I'm not one of those people who's going to say to you, I'm not an anti-vaccine person. I'm not saying your pet doesn't need vaccinated. I'm saying it does. But I'm saying we need to be cautious on our vaccinating of them and work harder and talk to our vets about it. When we talk about cats and their core vaccinations, their core vaccinations come with rabies, it comes with the distemper, it comes with the calculitis, and it comes with the rhinotrachevitis. Those are their core vaccinations. Two of those are for upper respiratory issues. The leukemia is definitely one that we can push onto our pets because That is a serious infection that spreads mostly through bodily fluids, through feces, urine, milk for mothering. So vaccines are necessary for the leukemia. But a lot of people are still pushing onto our cats the Bordetella, which is for the common flu, the same and the common cold, which is the same as we're pushing onto our dogs. So do our cats really need this as well, especially if they're an inside cat? We need to think about things for cats that are going inside-outside compared to they're just inside. But unfortunately, rabies is a whole different subject. That is a subject that is required by law. Cats and dogs need to, by law, have an updated rabies vaccination. But the studies have showed that it lasts 7 to 10 years. So why is the states and why is the law not changing telling us that our pets are okay from this? We don't need to keep revaccinating for them. I don't have to keep going back for, let's say, a chicken pox vaccination every year, every three years, because I'm going to end up getting that. So we need to protect our pets and think about that type of situation. Studies have shown that with cats and dogs, When they're getting these multiple vaccinations, that they are ending up getting cancer in the spots where their vaccinations are given. Most time, most of these vaccinations are either given in the muscle or subcutaneously, which means right underneath the skin. On most of those spots, they're up near the neck or right near the hind end, right by the tail. Because of the multiple punctures with this. It is causing cancerous spots with our pets, and that's why we're seeing so many pets suffering from cancer. When we're talking about vaccinations and we're talking about over-vaccinations, let's step back for a second. I just said our main core vaccinations for dogs, rabies, distemper, and parvo. Rabies is a whole separate vaccination, but parvo and distemper are a combo vaccination, which I have an issue with. I have a problem with that. I talk to my vets and I work with them. I want my dog to have those separately. Here's the problem. When you go into your vet's office for your yearly checkup, they're talking to you and saying, hey, let's do your dog's do for, your cat's due for the rabies, the distemper, the parvo. We're going to do the lepto. We're going to do the limes. That's five different vaccinations you're throwing into your animal at one time at one time so if your pet has a reaction which any medication and us as people know this with any medications we're ever on any vaccines we get there are side effects what if our pet suffers from a side effect of any one of these vaccinations you're not going to know which one it's suffering a side effect from because you've now pumped them full of five Pumping them full of five that are all fighting with the DNA in your animal to say, Hey, protect me against this. No, protect me against this. No, protect me against that. The body's going to get confused and you're not going to know what's going on, which one's causing an effect. And the body can absolutely go into a shutdown mode. So we need to think about doing vaccinations one at a time. To make sure our pets are tolerant of it. Make sure that they're protected from it. Make sure that they're not having any adverse side effects to it. The vaccines that we use, they do go with our pet's DNA. It helps to fight off. When we introduce a vaccine into the human body or the pet body, it kind of works with the DNA and it goes into process with their DNA. To show them and say, hey, look, body. I need you to protect me against this strain of whatever. I need you to protect me against this. So it alters their DNA. When we're altering their DNA, we don't want to be introducing too many things at once because it's going to throw the immune system off. And that's exactly what had happened with my Jasmine. My Shelty was over-vaccinated. She was on, as as per my vet, she was on a lepto. She got the rabies at the same time. She got another vaccine. Her body shut down because her DNA and her actual body could not figure out what it was supposed to do. And when we talk about over-vaccination, we introduce it to the pets at a younger age. And that's why I'm saying I'm not against vaccinations. Get your pets vaccinated at a young age. But because she was vaccinated at a young age, her DNA already had the data in the DNA to say I need to fight against this. So years later, when I keep introducing it again and again and again, the body just went crazy. It was like a computer. You keep feeding the same information to And it just got confused. It was like, you keep giving me the same information. You keep giving me the same information. What am I supposed to do with it? And it automatically just shuts down, and it needs rebooted. We want to talk about the Bordetella and the flu. This only handles certain strains of those. So is it really sometimes worth it, especially if our pet isn't going to, let's say, a groomer or they're not going to be exposed to it, they're not going to a dog park, they're not going to a kennel. Why are we going to give our dogs a Bordetella or an influenza shot if they're not going to be in a kennel situation where they're overcrowded, where they're around a lot of animals, where they're going to need it? And the bad part is, is some of the time you can still spend the money and get that, And your pet can still suffer from the flu, the influenza. They can still deal with kennel cough. And they'll come home and they might not have as severe side effects of it or severe symptoms. But they can still have it, which means you're still paying more money for antibiotics. You're still having to watch them. And their life is still in danger because of it. Just because you get a vaccine does not mean it creates immunity for your pet, and it creates it for life. Just as we know, we're dealing with COVID right now. A lot of things that I'm hearing right now, I don't feel that there's a lot of research that's surrounding with the COVID, but we're trying it. We're getting a vaccine out here. We're trying to help people. But anybody I've talked to who's gotten the COVID vaccination, it's okay you might still get it, but you're not going to get as severe symptoms. Yes, you can still spread it. Yes, this can happen, but it it's not making you immune to it. There's no vaccine out here that makes you completely immune to it. It's just going to settle down your symptoms so it's not as severe. And that's the same with our animals. So we're pumping our animals full of how many vaccinations, and the body's just going crazy, and then we don't know when they have a reaction. As I've said before in the past, I deal with a lot of vets in the area, and a lot of my clients. You know, I deal with them and taking their pets to the vet. And there's a couple of times that, more than a couple of times actually, that I've contacted the vet and I've said like the pet's having you know a, an issue or a problem, and. I understand that they're going through a medical process, this and that. And the vet's like, okay, well, they've had a reaction to, let's say, the lepto vaccination. They've had, a, they've had a reaction to the lepto before, but they're due for lepto. Let's give them the lepto vaccination, but give them Benadryl beforehand. Okay, so to me as a reasonable thinking person, if I'm allergic to peanuts, I'm kind of going to stay away from peanuts because I'm going to go into anaphylactic shock. I'm going to have allergic reaction. I'm going to have a problem where the issue lies is the way our vets are thinking right now. And we need to talk to them and we need to have a voice for our animals that we're saying, okay, my pet came in for a vaccination. They had a reaction to it, but you still want to give them that vaccination a year to three years later. And you just want me to give them Benadryl before they came in. To me, that's like telling me that I'm allergic to peanuts. And, hey, you can have a whole bowl of peanuts, but just take some Benadryl beforehand and you'll be fine. Does anybody else realize like how ridiculous that sounds? That, okay, we know you're going to have an allergic reaction, but instead of stopping it and figuring out what the problem is or keeping your pet from having a reaction, oh, let's try to solve the problem beforehand. Give them an antihistamine Beforehand, and let's go ahead and still do it. We don't understand, and there is no protocol for the vets or for ourselves to actually track how many pets are having reactions to vaccines. Most of the time, it's because it's a combo vaccination. We're giving three different vaccinations at one time. We're giving for the flu. We're giving for Parvo. We're giving for everything else. And we don't know which one is actually causing the reaction. I had a client come to me. She has an indoor cat, and her cat has severe allergies that during, this, during different parts of the season, the cat actually breaks out, starts scratching itself, breaks up on hives. So it's on an antihistamine, and it's on, you know, a protocol for the allergies. The cat was due, it's an indoor cat, it was due for the rabies. The client, you know, discussed it with me. I said, whatever you do, do not go and get the rabies. Against my better judgment, they talked to their vet, and their vet recommended No, definitely your cat needs to have the rabies. It's required by law. Your cat has to have the rabies. That cat got the rabies shot, came home within two weeks later. That cat was totally paralyzed. If you can get your hands on, which I have, it's in one of my blog articles. If you look on uh, my website, it's in one of our blog articles. A lot of the warning labels on the rabies, some of these, most all of the vaccinations, it states specifically to be given to a healthy pet. It cannot be given to nursing pets. It cannot be given to pregnant pets. It cannot be given to sick pets. The vaccines literally have a warning on them as well as the rabies says you cannot give to a sick animal. An animal that has an allergy, they're considered immune-compromised. Their immune system can't fight off an allergy, whether it's indoor, outdoor, whatnot. Their immune system is considered compromised. They are considered a sick animal and should not be vaccinated. This cat ended up coming down, being paralyzed on its entire back end, dragging its feet around, could not move. The vet thought it was a neurological problem. The client contacted me, all upset, told her, I know for a fact it was the rabies. It is a side effect. It is a side effect of the rabies vaccination. A side effect of the rabies vaccination is paralyzation. That cat became paralyzed. After going to specialist after specialist and spending thousands and thousands of dollars, it was concluded. That it was the rabies vaccination that caused it and that cat should have never gotten it. So why are our vets pushing this onto sick animals? Onto animals that shouldn't be getting it. Why are they not understanding and reading what the effects of these vaccines are? But you cannot give a vaccine to a pet who is sick. I've had vets who I'm dealing with that the cat or the dog or whatever is sick. They have, let's say, Bordetella. They have kennel cough. They have a a gastrointestinal problem. They're not well. They're on antibiotics. I still have the vets sitting here pushing. Well, they're due for this vaccination. They're due for this. They're currently sick right now. They're currently sick. Think about it as a human being. I don't normally get the flu shot. I have gotten it when I was a little younger of age. And they've asked me when I go in to get a flu shot, did you have a reaction to it in the past? Actually, I did. I had a reaction to the flu shot. I can never get the flu shot again because I had a reaction to it. They're not telling me to take Benadryl and go and get the flu shot again so I don't get the flu and so I don't spread it to other people. I've had a reaction to it. I'm not allowed to get the flu shot anymore. That's one of the first questions they ask us. When we're going to get some type of vaccination for ourselves. they want to know our medical history. Why are our vets not keeping up with some of this? We need to think about the side effects of some of these vaccinations. Is it worth it? to our pets to possibly suffer from a side effect of these vaccinations when our pets are older or if they're sick or if they have a problem? Is it actually worse for them than not? To talk a little bit about my Jasmine, my Jasmine was diagnosed with IMHA, Immune-Mediated hemoglobic Anemia which meant that she was over-vaccinated to the point that her body shut down. Her white cells were killing off her red blood cells because her white cells are the ones, part of her DNA, which was saying, like, we need to kill these viruses, we need to kill this. They got so overwhelmed and so overpacked with us vaccinating her per our vet that her body started, her white cells started killing her red blood cells, which caused her to become anemic, which meant her white cells were killing her red blood cells. Some of you might say, well, okay, what's the problem with that? The problem is our dogs and our cats need their red blood cells. That The red blood cells provide oxygen to our major organs. Her gums became pale. We couldn't get blood out of her. Her red cells were being destroyed by her immune system because her immune system was in overdrive because of all the vaccinations we gave her. I would never wish this disease on anybody, on anybody that I know and I deal with. I would never. We ended up having to. Put her on medications to kill her entire immune system so it stopped killing her. Only 50% of dogs diagnosed with this disease survive. My Jasmine fought. She fought and she survived. My first vet that diagnosed her said, she's just a cash cow for you. You need to just euthanize her. You need to put her down. You're going to be dealing with nothing but problems with her because of this disease you're the one who caused this disease with us. You're the one who wanted her to have all these vaccinations. You're the one who keeps sending me the memos, sending me the notices, telling me that these vaccinations are safe for my dog. But here we are, my dog's dying because of these vaccinations. We were able to get her on medications and she fought. She fought for another five years before we found out that she ended up contracting cancer, and the cancer was caused by the side effects of the medications to save her life five years prior. I just want everybody to think about that and and understand that I'm not against vaccines. I'm not against medications, but these medications, I deal with clients on a daily basis who say, my pet's on You know, this pain medication to help with this issue, well, do you know that pain medication can cause kidney failure, liver failure? Is your vet doing anything to keep that from happening? We only want to deal with one problem, but the problem that we're dealing with and the things that we're handling is causing other medical issues that we're not willing to handle at the time, that we're going to wait until the problem gets worse before we deal with that. People are contacting me, my pet's on a pain medication. The next thing I know that their pet is dealing from kidney failure and their kidneys are failing because it's over-processing the toxins from the harsh pain medications, which guess what? That's a side effect. That's a side effect of some of these medications but your vet's not doing anything to keep that from happening these vets sometimes recommend these vaccinations between one to three years for our pets but there is an alternative there's an alternative to getting some of these vaccinations and that alternative is called titer testing my dogs now all i have them on is titer testing as i have mentioned tinsley my youngest she's a year old We are getting her her puppy shots. She's had her first round. She's gonna, she just turned a year old, so she's going to be getting her first year of actual adult shots. After that, she is going to be titer testing. So, a lot of you might be wondering what is a titer test? A titer test is a blood test that your vet can take. Unfortunately, a lot of vets in this area do not have the equipment to do it, it is sent out to a specialty place, and it is sent out to a university for them to do a titer test. A titer test is a blood test that literally shows, does your pet have immunity to a disease? I get it done on Cheerio. My dog Cheerio is 13 years old. He's gotten titer testing done for several years for his rabies, for his distemper, for his parvo. We get it done every one to two years for him to make sure that he still has immunity. I don't want, I don't want Cheerio to get any of these diseases, but if I check his blood work and he is below, I will consider getting him those vaccinations and a booster. But last time we just checked with Cheerio for his rabies vaccination, which he has not gotten for a few years. And because of Jasmine, who was immune mediated the vaccine could spread to her if Cheerio were to get it because they're in the same household. So Cheerio's had, you know, a waiver for the law. We still continue to get him, and I've signed a waiver that I understand that we are not following the law. We are not getting him vaccinated for the rabies, but I am making sure my dog is protected by getting a titer test. Per the CDC, a tighter test of over 0.01 is shows immunity for the rabies. Cheerio's last test came in at 16. 16 which is well above 0.01 which shows immunity per the CDC. So why would I why would I give him more? He already has immunity up to 16. When anything over .01 is considered, he has immunity towards it. The same with his parvo, the same with his distemper. Why would I want to kill my animal to abide by, what, the law? If you want to find me, I mean, anybody who's listened to this and they want to come and find me, please come and find me for it. My animal's life is worth more than that vaccine. But when we talk about titer testing, because it's not a normal thing, people are not pushing it. We are not being a voice for our animals and talking about over vaccinations. We are not educated enough to know what the effects are. We're listening and we're expecting our vets to do what is best for us and for our animals. And compared to a $20 vaccine compared to a $120 test, I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. You get the vaccine that's $20 compared to paying a $120 test. But then let me go back to Jasmine. I paid. I went ahead and paid for the $20 test. And it ended up costing me almost my mortgage in my house. We almost had to refinance our house to pay for her medical bills, to pay for all the medication she was on, blood work having to be done at the vet's office every three days. It cost me so much for her fighting and to pull her through a disease caused by over-vaccination that I paid way more than a titer test would have been, and I paid way more than what the vaccine was going to be. So sometimes you have to weigh that. You have to weigh that. But when your vet is pushing it on you and saying, Okay, well, I brought my pet in today because they're sick. They have an upper respiratory problem. They have this. And your vet's like, okay, well, they're behind on these vaccines. Do not get them. Talk to your vet. My pet is sick. It says on the label, cannot be given to a sick animal. They should not be pushing that stuff on us. Then when we want to think about it, doctor." schultz is out here fighting for our pets through the rabies challenge fund through his own organization because he absolutely believes in over vaccination he's been doing some of the studies he's looked at some of the studies the problem is a chihuahua at five pounds is getting the same amount the same dosage of vaccination as a 200 pound mastiff so let's, let's just ponder on that for a second. Here we are as humans. Every time I go into my doctor's office, what's the first thing they do to me? They weigh me. I feel like crap because I'm still in, you know, my boots. I'm still in my coat. I have my purse on me. I feel like I weigh like 500 pounds more than what I should. But they take a weight on us. Every time we go into our doctor's office, they get a weight on us. Why do you think that is? They get a weight on us to know the dosage of medication they give us, how much of a vaccine they're going to give us. Here, they weigh our pets, but that's not taken into consideration when they're giving a vaccine. The same dosage of a rabies, a parvo, a distemper vaccine, the same dosage is given to a five-pound dog as it is to a 200-pound dog. Does that seem right? Does that seem right? Does that not seem like that's over-vaccinating for that five-pound dog if the same dosage is good enough for a 200-pound dog? These are things we need to think about. Titer testing. I'm all about titer testing. I do it for my pets just to check what their immunity is. I don't want to cause harm to them. I'm not about not vaccinating. I am about vaccinating responsibly responsibly because i don't need my animal getting sick because somebody's telling me something different and a lot of the times when i talk to the different vets about this well they've seen pets that have come in with parvo distemper rabies and there's not much they can do and that's understandable but how many cases of that is happening and why is it happening compared to the growing number of diseases, cancers, immune-mediated problems coming from over-vaccinations. And some of the times they can't even link it. I can't tell you how many times I've fought, fought with vets about over-vaccination. I had another client who came to me that they, they have a dog. Um, the dog was perfectly fine in the afternoon. Uh, the wife was at work. The husband decided to go golfing in the afternoon. He just finished walking the dogs. The dogs were fine. He came home a few hours later from golfing to find the dog, one of the dogs, in the corner, screaming, screaming in pain and couldn't move. They rushed it out to the emergency vet. They were doing neurological testing, costing them thousands of dollars. They thought it was meningitis. The client contacted me. They said because it was a young dog, it was only five years old, it was a younger dog, they would probably be in a wheelchair its entire life. They didn't think this dog would have quality of life that my client needed to put their dog down. They contacted me any last-ditch effort. I talked to them, found out the background. Guess what? That dog was just vaccinated two weeks prior to it becoming paralyzed like this. A lot of vets will tell you that you'll notice an issue within a couple of days. It can take up to 30 days to get a reaction from any of these vaccines. They waited a couple of days. This has now been two weeks. No, 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 Jen. It's not not the vaccine. I contacted, you know, the emergency care that was taking care of this dog. No, no, no. We don't think that's what it is. I said, look, give the dog a chance. Get it on an antibiotic. Let's try to flush the system out and let's get the dog into a rehab center to start working these muscles. It came back after all the tests. Thousands and thousands of dollars and thousands of dollars for specialists from we think it's this, we think it's that, it's, There were so many prognosis that was given for what was going on with this animal. It finally came back that, yes, it was the vaccine that caused this. That dog ended up going to rehab, having to get on a water treadmill. Do you know that dog's walking perfectly fine now? That dog's perfectly healthy, running around. But we had a vet coming to us wanting us to put down that dog because they did not think it was having quality of life. And they were not thinking it was a vaccine problem, but instead a neurological problem. Now, things can happen with our pets, and I understand that. But we need to look back. What are the side effects of these vaccinations? How many are given at a time? When you're giving too many at a time, is it not causing a problem? Sometimes with our own medications that we have to take for our own problems. You can't take some when you're taking others. Some can only be given at night. Some can only be given in the morning. Don't take this one within three hours of this one. We need to think about that same thing when we're talking about our pets and what repercussions that can cause on our pets. Jasmine is my inspiration with all of this topic that we have tonight. She was such a fighter, and at five years old, I had vets telling me to let her go and put her down. She lasted another five years before everything that we did to save her cost her her life with cancer. So, this episode is absolutely dedicated to my Jasmine, who was an absolute fighter and has brought so much knowledge to me within this realm and within this area. A lot of people just, we trust our vets. I trust in mine. Just to get Jasmine saved, I switched to four different vets who finally I found one who was willing to work with specialists and save my dog who was fighting for every part of her life. And they were willing to help me. And they understand this. And they've now done the research on it. So we kind of need to think, are our vets just having us come in because they want to see our pets? They're just trying to get money. I don't know. Is it because they're uneducated? Is it because they're pushing these meds or these vaccines on our pet to make a dollar? Are they not paying attention to the warning labels? Do they not want to understand? It's a question that we still have out here, and until more people step up and start asking these questions and talking to their vets in a way, and if your vet does not want to answer these type of questions, they're not the vet for you. Find another vet. Talk to somebody who is willing to talk to you about what's the side effects. Why do you want to do all of them at once? Isn't that dangerous? Hey, my pet is ill, but you're wanting to give them more stuff and confuse their body, overload their body. Ask those questions. You are allowed to. You're allowed to be a voice for your animal, and you're allowed to ask these questions. And your vet has a right to learn, and they have a right to know. And a lot of the times, they, there is not, they are not reporting it enough to say that, hey, we've had X amount of pets that have suffered from side effects from this vaccine. They are not, none of our vets are made to report this kind of information. The paperwork's out there. They can. They're not forced to. It is not their obligation to do that. They don't want to do extra paperwork. Sometimes we as pet owners need to do that extra paperwork. Hey, my pet suffered from this as a side effect of this medication or this side effect from this vaccine. If more things were brought out and more people were reporting it and showing a problem, maybe we could have a solution. Maybe we can be worked with a little bit more. Maybe our pets would be a little safer. So make sure you check out the Rabies Challenge Fund. It's a great organization. Uh, Also check out HemoPet. Dr. Jean Dodds runs HemoPet. It is a dog blood bank that helps with immune problems and blood transfers and blood donations. And she also runs a lot of research projects with over vaccinations for our pets because she deals with a lot of this. Um, She's been a lifesaver for me and has helped me through many of my issues with my Jasmine And I hope you guys will find this stuff interesting. I hope that you guys will stand up for your pets. I hope that I've educated you a little bit to ask some questions, to not allow this to continue for the safety of your pets. Ask some questions. Be sure to know, is your pet able and healthy enough to be vaccinated? So that's all I have for this episode. I hope I taught you a little bit, and we'll see you next time.